Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Dory with you. Let me tell you a little bit about Paul Selig, considered to be one of the most foremost spiritual channelers working today. In his breakthrough works of channeled literature, he has recorded an extraordinary program for personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. Paul was born in New York City, received his master's degree from Yale. A spiritual experience back in 1987 left him as a clairvoyant. Described now as a medium for the living, Paul has an incredible ability to step into people his clients ask about, often taking on their personalities and physical characteristics. It's amazing. We'll be doing some of that later on in the program. Paul, welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, George. It's good to have you. And uh, are you coping with uh, COVID-19 and everything's fine? Yes, I am. I'm I'm lucky to be on the island of Maui right now. I was in uh, Costa Rica when New York City shut down, which is where I live, and I haven't been home since. Good. So I know there's okay. a 14-day quarantine there, but uh, you're going to be there that long, I guess. I've right? been here. I've been here four months now. Oh, really? Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. Super. Tell us more about your work. What have you been up to? I've been busy. You know, the the guides. They're eighth book is this was published today it's called alchemy i'm almost completed with the dictation for the ninth book you know i don't write the books i sit in a chair i close my eyes and the guides i work with dictate the entire books through me in front of audiences usually now the audience is online but the last four or five books i think were done entirely in front of students so i've been keeping up the guides have a lot to say and they're saying it and they're not missing a beat so i've I've been working through this entire period. How did this all start for you back in 87? You, you know, truthfully, it was an odd story. I was raised sort of an atheist, and I didn't necessarily really? put a lot of credence in this stuff. Yeah, I was sort of a rock and roll, you know, playwright. You know, I was a year out of graduate school at Yale. I was being wonderfully self-destructive in my weird way. And I ended up sort of hitting a bottom. Um, I was in a hotel room in St. Paul, Minnesota, the Gopher Campus Motor Lodge, and the Gideons leave these Bibles in the drawer, and I knew I was in trouble. I just couldn't have named the trouble. And I took the book out, and I said, it said, prayer for people in crisis. And I couldn't name the crisis, but I was in one. And I said it. And three days later, I was back in New York City, and I woke up, and I heard a voice telling me what to do, which was the first voice I heard. And everything began to change. I began to open up psychically. Um, I cleaned up my acts. I, you know, I quit drinking. I kept going to quit pretty much everything that I was doing, yeah. and I was not expected to do any of that. But I began to open up as a psychic without even knowing how that worked and what was happening. And to get a context for that, I studied a form of energy healing. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I could hear things for them. And that would get authenticated, proven out. I started a little group that met in my apartment and met for 18 years. I was a college professor at NYU for 25 years. I wasn't looking to be known for this work at all. But I began to hear in the group, and I began to channel. And in 2008, um, the guides I work with began dictating entire books through me. And um, that's it. So all of the books are the unedited transcripts of these verbal channelings. They're transcribed, and they're published unedited. And um, that's how it happened, and I still don't quite understand it. It's not what I expected to do with my life. It's not anything that I aspired to. Um, if anybody told me I would, have be, I would end up doing this, I probably wouldn't have believed him. 
But it's what I do, and I just show up for this again and again and again because I find it fascinating, and I, I hope to understand it one day. I remember uh, on some of the appearances on our program here when we talked about you as you were going through this channeling, mm-hmm. uh, it takes just a few seconds, but you get into that mode, and they communicate through you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a radio. That's how I look at it. They call me a radio. So, yeah. you know, if I'm tuned into the guides, they're the station that I'm broadcasting, and they come through with an energy that's often very palpable for people. And the guides work with these energetic attunements, and they support other people in beginning to work with the energy that they come with. When I work with clients or when I work with, you know, people that want more psychic work, they become the radio station that I turn into. So if I'm tuned into your Alice, um, she's the station. If Alice asks about her nephew, I can usually tune in the nephew and plug into him as well. So that's, that's what it is. It's kind of like being a great big switchboard for, you know, the higher energies. Are you aware of what you're saying or what you're writing when they come through you? Well, I'm not writing, I'm speaking, and I hear about a, I mean, I'm tracking maybe a third of it. What I hear in phrases, and I'm odd because I whisper the words as, as they come through, which is the transmission, and I repeat them, and then the next one is coming through. So if you can imagine somebody reading like, you know, 400 fortune cookies fast in a row, that's how I experience, you know, the channeling without necessarily understanding what the larger thought is. And the books are that way. I don't even know what the you know the, the title of the chapter is until they give it to me, and that's often at the end of the chapter. This chapter is complete, and we will call it such and such. And that all ends up in the in the book. But I tend to think of myself as sort of moving to the back seat of the car and turning the steering wheel over. And occasionally, I'm leaning forward trying to listen, which means I'm getting in the way a little bit. It's not the best thing, but I've been known to question the teachings that come through as they come through. I'm not the author of these books, but my name appears on the cover, and I have some sense of responsibility to, to the authenticity, the quality, the truth of the dictation. So if I'm confused, I'm going to ask, and then I'm moving towards the front seat, but mostly I'm in the back and letting it go through me. That's amazing. Paul Selig with us. His latest book is called Alchemy. Is this the one, a channel text, it's called? Yeah, the Beyond the uh, Trilogy Book 2? Uh-huh, Beyond the Known Book 2. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. What has been for you, Paul, in your career doing this, the most astounding thing you think you've gone through? All of it. None of it was expected. None of it was anticipated. I now look at this as the job that I do. I show up often when I don't want to. What amazes me is that the guides can dictate through me when I don't want to be doing it, or I've just had a very rough experience in my personal life, they come through fine. The Book of Alchemy was actually dictated. Um, it was begun in a workshop at the Esplan Institute, and they were three days into this time I was spending there, and I assumed they weren't going to dictate a book. I learned of the death of a close friend the morning right before I went into class, and that was the morning they began to dictate. I was completely derailed, and they came through and dictated the first, you know, 20, 30 pages of the text through me then. There's physical phenomena when when I work. There's a lot of energy. People can feel it. Um, I have been known to morph physically. My eyes, I'm told, often turn bright blue 
when I'm channeling. I don't see it, but there was a video of me taken last week, and people online were talking about how they could see the eyes change when the channeling started. So the whole thing's been extraordinary because it's unexpected. You know, I'm not a, a new ager per se. I'm not very woo-woo. I'm the last person I thought would ever do this. But I show up in spite of myself anyway because I feel that what's coming through is true. You know, the woman who channeled uh, The Course in Miracles, which was a book that was channeled, you know, I think, in the 70s, you know, when she was asked about her work, she said, I don't believe it, but I know it's true. Mm-hmm. And that's my experience, too. I, I, I am so confounded by the beauty and the truth of so much of what they bring through that I continue to show up. Do you have to get into a certain mode or state for this to happen? When I work in front of people, when I'm doing a lecture, I'll often work with a prayer of protection, and uh, a long one that I do. And it's not because I'm frightened of things out there. It sets a field that I like to work in. And I'm using that to sort of climb into the backseat of the car. But when I'm doing something like speaking with you or working with a client, it's much more like I'm sitting in the front seat and sharing the front seat with the guides. And then it's pretty immediate. If you can think of it just as turning the dial of a radio to another station, immediately there's another broadcast. So I don't have to go into a long meditation or be still. It helps me if I'm not overly preoccupied or if I haven't had too much coffee or sugar the night before. Those things tend to get in the way. But other than that, no, it's pretty quick. It's pretty immediate. Tell us a little bit about Alchemy, this latest book that just came out. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's it's the second book of a trilogy, but it's very much a standalone book. What the guides are teaching now is this thing called the upper room. And the guides say we are operating in an octave, a musical octave, a shared octave of vibration and tone. And everything that we see and we know is informed by that music, by that octave. What they're doing, they say, is lifting us to the octave above the one we're used to, and they call that the upper room, which is divine mind or higher mind. And the book of alchemy is in many ways about the process of transposing the music that we are to play in a higher tone, in a higher field. You know, the guides say that the field that we're living in now is going through enormous change. The whole book is actually speaking to the times that we're in. They never mention the virus, but they do speak about the magnitude of change in economic and political systems and everything. They've been speaking about this for the last, really, well, since they began. In the first book, they said humanity is a time of reckoning, and a reckoning is a facing of the self and all of one's creations. And everything that's been created in fear needs to be recreated or will be renown in a higher way. But that doesn't happen without sort of disassembling what we've created and invested in. So the process of the Book of Alchemy is what we go through individually as we're releasing the ideas of who we are that they say were never true. And reclaiming the true self, they say it's the inherent divinity that exists in every human being, regardless of what we think of them, so that that aspect of self can begin to express. That expresses in what they call the upper room. And once you're aligned at that level, you're really aligned beyond the energy of fear. And you're beginning then to sort of claim a new world into being, which is the teaching. So the Book of Alchemy is really the transition between one level of being and reality and the other, which is including 
you know, everything that we know about ourselves and our world. Paul, are they trying to prepare us for something through you, for example? Well, I think they are, and I'm sure it's not just me. They're talking about great change. They've been talking about this for the last several books. Um, in the Book of Truth, which was dictated right before the last presidential election, they said that what's about to happen is, they said that the energy of truth is here, and what's going to happen is basically everything that's been buried gets brought to the light. And they said, imagine your backyard is, you know, under an excavation. You know, what you buried five weeks ago and 500 years ago is all going to be brought to the light. Now, the purpose of this isn't to blame or to punish or to become more frightened. They say that nothing can be healed until it's first seen. They say, you know, if you have a dead body in the basement, eventually it's going to stink up the whole house. So we're in this process now of exhumation having to see. And I think we're seeing it right now. I think we're seeing... You know, our own division, the guys are speaking now a lot about moving beyond the idea of separation or union with source, and that's what they're really preparing us for. They say the divine self or the true self that exists in every human being is seeking expression as and through us. And you can call it many names. They call it the indwelling Christ, the divine self, the divine spark, the eternal self. It's not a religious teaching at all. But they are ex teaching us how to become expressed at that level, and they say, because it's of the magnitude of change that is before us, and this is how we withstand it, and how they say a world is actually made new. Now, when we talk about they, exactly who are these spirits? Well, I call them the guides, and the only reason I call them the guides is because, you know, years ago when I was partnered, my partner found out that I was doing this stuff, I used to hear these questions, ask the guides this, ask the guides that, yeah. you know, when I was reading. So I call them the guides out of convenience. Um, but the guides are teachers. The name that they use when they say, if you wish to call us something, um, is the name Melchizedek, which is an old name. And it's a, it's a priesthood, it's a lineage, right. it's, a, it's in the Bible. You know, um, I have not done the research on it. I know my experience of the guides that I work with, the one that I see on occasion I'm very comfortable with. Um, but it's a consortium of teachers, and they come to teach, and they say this is their work, and they've been doing it a very, very, very long time. Are they spirits of those who were once alive? They say that some of them have been in form and some have not. Some have only existed in consciousness. So I, un I understand them as... You know, you can call them ascended masters if you want, you know, um, but it's it's a collective of high vibrational beings. They don't call themselves angels. They call themselves teachers. But it's not like, you know, my dead grandma, you know, coming through with her recipe for banana bread, which was really good, but that's not what <laughs> these books are about. These books are really about how humanity realizes itself in its inheritance, and they say our true inheritance has been denied us because we've denied it. They say the only real problem humanity faces, all of the, all of the problems they can distill into one idea, and they call that the denial of the divine. Was, was the first book of the trilogy Beyond the Known? The first book was Realization. Beyond the Known, book one was Realization. And the guides talk about realizing is knowing. They're asking us to come into our innate or true knowing. The guides say when you think, you don't know. When you know, you're not thinking. And when you're knowing and you're true knowing, you're in your alignment to your 
divine self. So that was the first book, yes. Do you need to read the books chronologically? If anybody is really ambitious, you can go to the very first book, which was called I'm the Word, um, which is, I think, the foundation. Yeah, that's right. Text. That came out in 2010, something. That's right. Like that. yeah. um, this book, interestingly enough, my publisher says, and I actually agree when I read it again to do the audio book, the book stands on its own. The guides say they teach in a one-room schoolhouse. So everybody is convened and is going to be taught at the level that they can understand and they can work with the teachings. The guides do a pretty good job on catch-up. This book, I think, more than most of them operates that way, and I'm pleased for that. So you don't have to have read Realization to read Alchemy. What do the guides want from us, if anything? What, the, what I hear is they want us to know who we truly are, who we truly are beyond the mask we've worn, beyond the ways that we identify ourselves through you know, our careers, our genders, our lineage, our bank accounts, all of the ways we know ourselves. The guides say, you know, these are ways of knowing the self, but it's not who you are. You're not your job. You're not your bank account. You're not your anything. These are all valid ways of knowing the self. The guides are asking us to reclaim our true identity, which is the divine. They say, you know, we are of source. We are not separate from source, but we believe we are. And we've lived in a collective field that has been intent on claiming separation, and they're trying to move us beyond that. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.